Connesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelit Tales podcast. We're breathing life back into Irish myths with traditional Irish storytelling accompanied by music. My name is Sarika, and this week we have the story of the death of Grahor Magnessa, told by Aaron Hegarty, the other co-founder of Candlelit Tales, and my little brother. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast to hear our latest news and a sneak peek of next week's story. We will be going live on YouTube on Sunday at 7pm Irish time to chat about this myth, so join in the conversation there if you'd like. We wouldn't be able to continue to make these podcasts without the support of our patrons, which we are very grateful for, so thank you. If you'd like to contribute, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales, or share, subscribe, like, or you can leave a review if you like what we do. It all makes a difference. Now sit back and listen to this week's story. Take it away, Aaron. King Grohor Magnassa was a patron of poetry and the arts. He was a practical man whose judgment was trusted and it is said that he made learning available for all under his rule as king by dismantling the tradition that elite groups keep the knowing of knowledge to themselves. Now, Grohor was the son of Nasa. He was the king of Ulster during the time of the Great Red Branch, when they reached their most memorable moments. The Crave Rua were the greatest warriors and most feared army in Ireland. Although Crohor was born on a very special day, a day befitting a great king and a leader of men, he made some terrible mistakes as king that ultimately led to the downfall of the Red Branch. He was the youngest king Ulster had ever seen, the throne being tricked away from the previous king, Fergus MacRoy, for the love he had of Nessa, Grohor's mother. Nessa had agreed to marry Fergus only if her young son be named king for a year. Grohor did such a great job being king, with the wise instructions from his divisive mother being whispered in his ear that the men and women of Ulster no longer wanted Fergus MacRoy as their king after the year was up. Although he often displayed great judgments and the people of Ulster were very loyal to him, Crowor made some terrible mistakes as well. In his early days as a young king, he offended one of the Fae, known as Maka, who in turn left a devastating curse on the fighting men of Ulster that lasted for nine generations. On another occasion, and to make matters worse, Crohor caused a terrible divide between two sides of the Red Branch. He broke his word, and in a jealous rage, he had the sons of Ishna killed for stealing away the beautiful Deirdre from his possessive grasp. She who later became known as Deirdre of the Sorrows for the tragic life she led, mostly thanks to the brash decisions of Crohor and his hurt and damaged ego, it has to be said. Despite these mistakes, and what some might call some serious sins, he was still the King of Ulster during some of their most famous battles, victories and tale-worthy adventures. It was Crohor's sister who, after spending a year in the other world, came back to give birth to a child she named Satanta. Crohor was the child's uncle and ensured that he would have the best upbringing in the land, fostering him to the most learned men, the most prosperous, the wisest teachers, as well as the strongest and fiercest warriors of Ulster. He was 
even there, in person, when the child changed his name from Satanta to one we all know today, Ku Cullen. And just as the Hound of Cullen had guarded the lands of Cullen, Crohor's nephew defended Ulster's borders when they needed him the most. He was always loyal to his king, and he followed his orders unfailingly as his champion. There were other great warriors in Ulster, of course, that enjoyed a healthy rivalry with Cúcullin. And one day in Awanmaka, in the king's presence, the heroes fell into fighting, as they often did. Cúcullin and Leary and Conal Kiernach started arguing over their great deeds and started to present their trophies, trying to outdo the others. Conal Kiernach burst into the speckled house to retrieve one particular trophy that he was particularly proud of from where it was kept. The speckled house, you might recall, got its name from the many heads of Ulster's enemies that were stuck into the outer wall, giving it a speckled, coarse and nightmarish appearance. Colonel Carnock came back out of the speckled house with one of his most prized trophies then, to gloat amongst his fellow warriors. This trophy was the brain of Mesgegra, a king of Leinster that Colonel Carnock had defiantly killed in single combat years before. You see, in those days, the Ulstermen would take the severed heads of their enemies, take the brains out of the skull, and they would mix the brains with lime. The brain would then harden and shrink into a small, hard, round ball that could in turn be used as ammunition for their own slingshots. And the men of Ulster would then use these brains in their single combat. After all, nothing says heroic valiance better than defeating an enemy with the brain of a previously killed. Conal Kernock did not use the brain of Meskegra, however, because there was a prophecy about this particular king, a prophecy that he would get his own revenge after his own death. And with this prophecy, an ambiguous, hard-to-understand prophecy like this, the people of Ulster thought it was best for Conal to keep the brain of Meskegra locked away somewhere that it would not do any harm. Inside the speckled house seemed like a good spot. But after Conan Kiernach brought it out to show to his rivals, to prove himself better than them, well, they fell into greater arguments and further comparisons. They argued until King Crohor called a feast, and they argued over the drinks they were served, until they became so intoxicated that their shouting turned to laughter, and they forgot what they had all been arguing about in the first place. Crohor was well enough used to these sorts of affairs in Awanmaka. But after that, Conal forgot to put the brain of Meskegra back into its safekeeping in the speckled house after him. Now a little while later, a warrior of Connacht called Ket McMothock was rampaging through Ulster, which he did from time to time. Ket was one of the greatest pests of Ulster that had ever existed. He was a constant torment to them. When he came across the green of Awanmaka, silently, secretly, he saw some poets playing with the brain of Meskegra. 
He already had three heads of Ulstermen at his side, and then he heard the poets call this brain the brain of Mesgegra. And so, Ket ran over and stole the brain of Mesgegra, knowing as he did the prophecy that was on it, and thinking that he would be able to have some mischief with this brain. And so, ever after, Ket McMothock wore the brain of Mesgegra at his waist, waiting for an opportunity to put it to its best possible use and fulfill the prophecy. Some time later, a good amount of time later, there was another battle fought between the men of Ulster and the men of Connacht. Ket McMothock and three other warriors of Connacht were raiding cattle from the men of Ulster. It was not the great Thornbow Coon, just one of many other cattle raids that were between these rival provinces. Ket and his companions were driving away the cattle from the men of Rosses. The Red Branch were warned and Crahor was leading an attack on Ket. The men of Connacht were coming from the other side to save Ket from annihilation from the Ulster men. And in all of the madness, Ket McMothock hatched a plan. He went to some of the women of Connacht and asked them for a favour. He said, If by chance, Crohor Macnessa takes to the battlefield, do me a favour and ask him to come aside so that you might admire his fine figure, and that's all I want you to do for me now. You see, it was well known in Ireland at that time, and there was no man so perfect in face and form and colouring and size and proportion and raiment as Crohor Macnessa, and it was a very well-known fact to Crohor himself. The golden-haired king of Ulster loved to be admired. It was in fact a law in Ulster that he was not allowed to wear a long tunic in winter because he was not allowed to cover the perfection of his legs, most especially not over his lovely calves, simply because the women of Ulster just loved to look at them. And Crohor was happy to oblige. Now Crohor Macnassa did take part in this battle. He did join the warriors of Ulster to fight, but then he heard the women of Connacht calling him over, asking him to show himself to them so that they could admire him properly. And Crohor was not wanting to disappoint the ladies, so he left the battlefield and went over and posed for a while for the women of Connacht so that they could see that the rumours of his perfection of form and physicality were not exaggerated at all, nor were the rumours of the perfection of his politeness. Lurking in amongst the women of Connacht was Ket McMothock, and Ket waited until Crohor was at his ease, and then Ket put the brain of Mesgegra into the slingshot and fired at the preening king of Ulster. The brain of Mesgegra flew true and it lodged inside the skull of Crohor Macnassa, knocking him to the ground. The king cried out for the terrible wound, and he offered the kingship of Ulster to anyone who could carry him away from this battle and to his home in Aumaka. His trusted attendant ran to him, hoisted Crohor on his back, and carried him as fast as he could across Ulster, falling down dead of exhaustion at the gates of Aumaka. 
Crowhor was still alive with the brain of Mesgegra protruding from the top of his head, so the physician Finnegan was called for. He was the greatest physician in all of the land. Finnegan could look at a house and see the smoke coming out of its chimney. And by that smoke, he could decipher how many people were in that house. And he could tell you what ailments all of them had and what treatments he would recommend for all of those ailments. So this great man was brought to Crohor MacNassa and they examined him and pronounced that if he were to remove the brain of Mesgegra, Crohor MacNassa would die. But if he were to leave it in place, it would leave a blemish. The people of Ulster replied that they would rather a blemish on Crohor than a blemish on all of them that was his death. But Finnegus had this to say. Take heed of what I say, for I'll tell no lies. In the day that that missile is loosed from his forehead, he dies. Yet, if always the high pulse of passion is kept from his heart and his brain, the kingship of Crohor Magnessa can continue to reign. And for this, I lay down his restrictions. No more shall his place be with armies in battles or convictions. At night, with banquets a-flaring and flashing, his measure of wine must be small. And take heed that the bright eyes of woman be kept from his sight above all. For if heart-thrilling joyous or anger a-while o'er his being have power, that ball will come loose from his forehead and surely he'll die in an hour. And so, Crohor's head was healed then, but he was left with a lump. It was stitched with thread of gold, for that was the colour of Crohor's hair same as gold. Crohor would have to be careful with this brain mess Gegra in his head. He would have to restrain himself, he knew. Not eat too much, not drink too much, avoid excitement. He resigned never to run, never to ride a horse, never to go into battle, never to get angry. And although it pained him more than anything, he was going to have to stop having sex entirely with any of his wives or mistresses or many of the other people who admired his legs. Now, although Crohor Magnessa was not best pleased, he remained calm and he remained alive. And for the next seven years, this was the life of Crohor Magnessa, a shallow life and a hard one for a king to maintain. He could sit at a feast, but he could not partake. He could see his beautiful wives, but he could not touch them. He could watch his beautiful horses, but he could not ride them. He could send his warriors to battle, but he could not join them. There are very few stories to tell of that time. Until seven years later, a day came in spring. This day was strange and terrible, full of portents and omens. The sky darkened, the sun appeared as if through a veil of blood, and the ground itself shook like thunder. Crohor asked his druid Kaffa, 
what was happening and what these signs meant. Kafa looked at Crohor and said, "A day you were born was an auspicious day indeed. It was the day a great king of the world was born, although not in the same year. And that same king of the world came into this world to unite all people. And this is a gentle man from another place in a land far away, and today." is dying nailed to a tree. When Grohor heard this sorry story, that an innocent man, innocent of any crime or harm or wrongdoing, was being nailed to a tree without anyone to help him, Grohor flew into a rage. Knowing that the king of the world was dying so far away with no one to help him, no one to fight for him. Krahor cried out that if he were there, he would fight for this king of the world, this uniter of men. He would give his life for this king of the world. And as the king of Ulster spoke, he grew more and more agitated and more and more angry. More so than he had been in years, he called for his weapons, his armour, his horses, his chariot, and he rode out of the gates of Owen Maka, heading for the coast and heading to save the king of the world himself. And when he reached the coast, he did not slow down. He kept right on going straight into the ocean, and his teeth gnashed into the waves that crashed against him. And there, in his rage, a burning fury rose up that pushed the brain of Mesgegra out of his skull, and a rush of blood came out flowing from his head that mixed with the waves and washed the dead body of Crohor Magnessa to shore. He died that day from the blow dealt to him seven years before, fulfilling the prophecy on Mesgegra. And there are those that believe that the followers of this king of the world, this uniter of all men, have eternal life and love shone onto them in a place called heaven. And those that say that, say that Crowell Macnessa was the only ever pagan to get into heaven, because at the moment of his death, he thought only of the same man born on the 25th of December, the king of the world, for Christ. And in his blood and waves that washed away his sin like a baptism, Crohor Magnassa went to heaven. This podcast was produced and edited by Oshin Ryan, with story by Aaron and Sarah Hegarty, and music by Oshin Ryan. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie, follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Candlelit Tales, and for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist, hashtag Candlelittletales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people, and if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We'll be talking about this story on a live stream very soon, 
Check out our social media for details. We'd love to hear back from you with any questions you may have. So please contact us directly or leave your question in the comment section below. Because what we really want to do is get these stories out there. Share them with as many people as possible. And so anything you can do to help, we really appreciate. And we especially appreciate you listening.